Alright guys, and welcome to Don't Tread on America. I'm your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? It is Sunday, March 27th, 2022. That's right, how's it going out there? <coughs> Alright guys, on the last show, I was telling you about what I was going to do today. and We are going to talk about, talk about the bloodlines of the Illuminati. Um, I actually did this show back in November. Um, some people listen to it. I mean, it, it got some downloads. I, I'm going to go ahead and actually, I'm going to re-air that today. Um, and the reason that is because I know we have new listeners that maybe they haven't gone back through the archives and looked at, at shows and whatnot. But what I want to do is I want to play this or I, I'm going to actually insert it here. Um, so ignore the dates. Like I said, it was November 3rd that it was done. Um, and the reason I'm just going to replay that particular episode is because it has a lot to do with what I did on the last, last Sunday show with the committee of 300. So what we'll do is we're going to play that and then we will, um, coincide next Sunday. We're going to go into the, the third part of the committee of the 300 and, uh, and wrap this, probably wrap it all up next Sunday unless something happens between now and then. But nonetheless, uh, I want to do that for you guys right here. I'll catch you on the backside of this show to close you out. So, uh, yeah, enjoy. I wanted to bring you a nice little show today. Uh, I don't think it's going to be very little. It's going to probably go pretty long because uh, i got some scary shit to talk about. Um, before I get into that, I just want to talk about our first sponsor, Redcon1.com. That's right, guys. Check them out with the link at the bottom of the podcast app. Uh, great supplements, great pre-workouts, great protein powders. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little inside uh, baseball with this one. I've told you guys before, I've been a customer for Redcon 1 for well over a year, and now they are a sponsor of this show. Um, by clicking the link using the promo code T20Cordimus, you can get 20% off all their products and accessories. The inside baseball part is I've been up since 3.30 today, okay? 3.30 a.m. This is, uh, it's almost, I'm recording this about 2. And I'm pretty jacked. I have no caffeine today. It's all been Redcon. Redcon supplements, pre-workouts, post-workouts, protein shakes. And I'm going to have trouble going to sleep tonight. Uh, not just because of the Redcon 1 supplements, but also because of what I'm about to talk about. Before I get into that, also I want to tell you about our website, don'ttreadonamerica.com. Check that out. I am going to post a video on there, and I'll talk about that in just a second. But um, go to the uh, website, guys. Uh, subscribe. I'm not going to spam you to death. I'm just all you'll get is emails from me uh, with uh, you know show updates. Uh, you might get some videos. You might get some uh, blogs and whatnot. I promise, uh, no naked pictures. So. Um, please subscribe to the website and it's basically one-stop shop and what I mean by that is uh, if you go to the website you can also link up to all the social media platforms whether that be Facebook Twitter Instagram and or YouTube however long I'm on there and the reason I say that is uh, I haven't really video recorded the last couple of shows I'm not doing this one and the reason being is the last one I did I spoke a little bit about COVID and uh, I know I got shadow banned uh, no views barely on that and um, I get it like the guys that are listening the folks that are listening to this 
right now, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you could give two shits about seeing me talk about the same thing you just listened to. I get it. I mean, there's no sense in listening to a podcast and then going home or whatever and say, you know what, I think I'm going to watch the same thing I just listened to. I get it. My my point of doing the YouTube was the same as the podcast and having the different apps and whatnot so people can, other people can find me. So with that being said, I am going to venture into Rumble somehow or another. I got to figure that whole situation out because... Um, it's, it's very cumbersome. It's a little more difficult than um, YouTube, but nonetheless, I think I'll branch out and reach a wider audience, oddly enough, on Rumble, because on YouTube, I'm just getting, I'm getting blocked and censored, and uh, there's no sense in me wasting my time putting them up on YouTube. So, at any rate, uh, with that being said, um, hopefully you guys listened to the last episode I posted on Saturday. I know I didn't do one Sunday. I didn't want to keep on bombarding you back-to-back with shows um, I really wanted to do a lot of research on what I'm about to talk about, but it was very important. And the reason I posted the show on Saturday was what I did is, if you guys recall, I talked about an episode that I did, episode 37, that was taken down from Apple um, Podcast. Now, I had no idea this happened. It's not like I got an email from Apple saying, hey, we're taking this show down because of whatever reason. Me and uh, Chris happened to be just talking about this um, particular uh, subject, I guess. And I was like, well, you know, we did a show about this sometime, whenever. Um, Looked it up, and sure shit, it was June 2nd. I'm like, the fucking show's not on Apple. So, I mean, I went to Podbeam. It was there, Spotify. It's, It's on all the other apps. The reason it's important or that it's scary, whatever the word I want to use there, is um, Apple's one of my most downloaded, the show's downloaded most from the Apple podcast. I think it's like 45 or something like that percent of the people that listen to this listen to on Apple podcast. So I don't know exactly when that show was taken off of Apple podcast. I mean, it was posted and it was aired back in June when we initially did it. Uh, I don't know how long it stayed there. You know, once I post the show, it's up. I don't go back and see if it's still there. I I will now. (laughs) But nonetheless, uh, so what I did was that particular episode was a little over two hours long. So obviously I didn't want to repost that same show because some of the things I talked about were to do with the time. But uh, the last hour of the show had a lot to do with the subject we're going to get back into today. And um, the uh, and I think that's honestly why it got taken down, you know, to be completely honest with you. I think it had a lot to do with, uh, with that. And, uh, you know, so I took that hour out, made a show of it with that hour. So point being is hopefully you guys listen to that because – it's going to make a lot more sense what I'm about to talk about because in doing research, I've had a lot of sleepless nights now reading the stuff that I've read. And, um, in the last, in that particular episode, we talked about, about names, right? We mentioned Bill Gates. We mentioned George Soros. We mentioned, which I don't, I don't care about those guys because in the grand scheme of things, they, those, those guys and people like them, 
other names that I'm going to tell you about today, a lot of these guys and gals are are just soldiers. They're just the the face you know, right? You know, you always wondered how come Bill Gates? How come? How come him? How come he was the one? You know, you reach, you go into the history of Bill Gates, and his dad was this, and his mom was that. Okay, he was a nerd. He, you know, I I honestly believe he was handed the keys to the computer kingdom, and so I guess in essence, he sold his soul to the devil to become who he is. If that makes any sense, and that probably makes a little bit more sense. And uh, now he's having to pay the piper, right? And how he's doing so is by his uh, vaccine help, so to speak. And um, and George Soros is another person. Like, who is George Soros and why is he who he is? Who cares? What is he? What is he to me and you? And obviously you hear his name, depending on what news you watch and what podcast you listen to, you hear his name. Right, but who is he and why is he? Okay. And I and I told you why and who who these people are and why they are, right? And it comes back to a family, the Rothschilds. Okay. And basically this show is going to be a lot about that. I'm part twoing this. This is going to be the part two to the Rothschilds, NWO, and the Patriots. And uh, depending on how long we go, um, I have a lot of stuff here. Um, we might segue this into a part three, whether I do it Friday or um, the following week. We'll have to see. But please stay tuned for that. And I do have a little announcement to make at the end of this. So uh, sugar water, and here we go. So what we're going to talk about is the things I've, I've found. And um, <laughs> and I'll post a lot of these links on the um, podcast app so you can read it because a lot of it is very wordy it's very lengthy so I am going to give you the cliff notes version as much as possible um I don't want to sit here and read you a story because uh let me put it this way I have one two three four five six links (laughs) open up on my computer right now and each one of them is a, a not a novel it's not that big but I'm just saying it's there's a lot here to read and I don't want to sit here and read it word for word. I did read a lot of this. And uh, so, nonetheless, uh, what we're going to go through here is the 13 bloodlines of the Illuminati. You've, these are these are phrases and these are words you guys have heard through different movies, through whatever, whatever books you might have read. Um, so the 13 bloodlines of the Illuminati slash basically the Rothschild's bloodline. Okay. And how that all equates into the COVID pandemic, because, I mean, let's face it, that's pretty much what this is. We talked about this on a show before where we discussed um, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, um, Event, or maybe it was Event 201, I'm sorry, Event 201, Agenda 21, and Event uh, Agenda 2030. Uh, Agenda 2030 is uh, a date we are in we are in the uh event or agenda 21 right now 2021 uh 2030 is nine years away or (laughs) eight years away you know nonetheless uh pandemics and vaccines are for the only one percent so the question is is 
and I, and I'll get into that too, but if it's for the 1%, if these vaccines, if what we're if what they're putting out there as far as vaccines are the vaccine, is it for the 1%? And if it is, what are they giving the public? Okay? And then um the globe <laughs> this was something I stumbled upon uh, primarily by accident, but the globalist plan to disarm America. Okay, now the the funny thing about that is me reading that title is most people are, you're saying, okay, well, yeah, obviously there's a plan to disarm Americans like me and you and, and any other gun order that's out there, but it's not what you think it is. I'll just say that. Okay, and then we're going to go into Jacob Schiff, with was a name that I mentioned on the last show, and what did he have to do with the Rothschilds? Who is Jacob Schiff, right? And what is his role in this history? Okay. And then finally, we're going to get into more of a current state of affairs into the the Bush family connection. Because in a lot of my research, I had a lot of names pop up that I wasn't looking for. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I mean, I found, uh, you know, I'm looking for Schiff. So my biggest thing was with Schiff was Jacob Schiff. Okay. We all know that last name Schiff, right? Adam Schiff, right? Congressman or senator or whatever out of California. Spelled the exact same way. So I did some digging. And uh, yeah. So explains a lot. I will say that as far as Adam Schiff and who he is and why he is. But nonetheless. But names kept popping up. So I found a series of names just by coincidence. And I told you before about Rockefeller and um, J.P. Morgan, Carnegie. Uh, there was another name that popped up, Harriman, which was a, a back then, a um, most people don't know that name. I say Rockefeller and Carnegie and, and Morgan. Everyone knows basically who those guys are. Harriman was a uh, train railroad uh, tycoon back in the 1800s. So obviously not as prevalent today. Most people don't know that name, and it's not as consequential. It's not as inconsequential as the other three names, so I don't really care about him. But another name that popped up that uh, made me start scratching my head, it kept on saying Bush. The Bush, Rockefeller, Morgan, families, blah, 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 whatever. And I'm like, Bush, so is this Bush? Is this like George Bush? Is this like Jeb Bush? Is this is this who that is? So I started digging. Okay, so Rothschild's crime syndicate hired the Bush family, to work with the Nazis and Hitler to create millions of new debt slaves and murder millions of Germans, Europeans, Americans. Yes, about 271,000 Ashkenazis because Rothschild's run of greed and power and cares zero about humanity. Okay? And finally, uh, I stumbled upon this one. The Bush-Clinton Empire and Criminal Succession, um, which I had a discussion with Chris when we were at the gym about this, and I'm going to finish with this. So whether that is on this episode or the next episode, we'll have to see as time goes by. But the one thing that made me, as I was reading this, brought us to today, brought us to literally today, and to the last four or five years that we've been dealing with our current history 
as to why everybody lost their mind when Trump won, why envelopes were handed out at um, John McCain's uh, funeral, and why this and why that. And we'll delve into that, whether it's at the end of the show or the next show. So I just hope everybody's ready, because here we go. So this is the 13 bloodlines of the Illuminati, which the Illuminati, just for basic, if you didn't know. So when I say Illuminati, and I'm not talking about um, Tom Hanks' movie where the Illuminati, blah, blah, blah. The Illuminati, as as we know it, is kind of like the, uh, the Freemasons or whatever, right? Their secret society, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, what the Illuminati are, are satanic cultists, okay? And um, they, they don't believe in God, and they believe in Satan, and that's their, their overlord. The, the weird thing about it is the, um, the person that created, <laughs> I guess is for lack of a better term, the uh, Illuminati was a Rothschild. So, um, let me see. Hold on a second. Let me pull this up. Blase, blase. There we go. Um, so, the Illuminati was a name used by a um, German sect that existed in the 15th century. The practice, the occult, and professed the possession that light that Lucifer had retained when he became Satan. So we all know the, the word Lucifer, you know, many people, Lucifer is Satan, Satan is Lucifer, and Lucifer is another word for light, Illuminati, light, light bearer. So, I mean, just just if you don't know anything else, you should know that if you're an Illuminatist, that you're a Satan worshiper because you say you worship the light. Light is Satan. So anyway, meanwhile, Benjamin Franklin had become very familiar with the Bank of England and uh, fractional reserve banking. Understand the damages of privately owned central bank controlling the issue of the nation's currency. So I stumbled upon an interesting video. Many of you know this man, uh, Louis Farrakhan, okay? And it's about a 20-minute speech that, that was, I, I found. I'm not going to obviously play the speech on here because it's 20 minutes. Um, I will put it in the show notes, so look for the link, okay? I'm telling you right now, watch the video, okay? Um, I know that our, like, depending on how old you are, I'm 48 years old, okay? I know I've been taught to not trust Louis Farrakhan. He is... Uh, you know, a Muslim, he is whatever, he is a white hater, he is this, he is that. I will say this about that. Watching this speech by him, and it's it's not a new speech. It's it's not terrible. I don't know when it was recorded, but it's not terribly old. It's maybe 10, 20 years old, I don't know. The fact that that man is still alive, just listening to that speech is shocking to me. And it's not for the reasons that you think would be. <laughs> Um, I think, in my personal opinion, 
that Louis Farrakhan. I'm going to do some more research about him. I don't want to get too deep into Louis Farrakhan. I want to do some more research on him. And but just based on that video, I want to say that he obviously gets a bad rap for being a Jew hater. But I think what it is is listening to him talk about what he's talked about in that speech. It had a lot to do with this. It had a lot to do with the Rothschilds and what they have done in the world since their existence. And uh, and like I've told you guys before, this isn't an American thing. This isn't about America. This is about the world. Because ultimately, for them and their soldiers, so to speak, it's about the world. <laughs> okay? So... Um, the Rothschilds are very conceited. They're very conceited people in the fact that a lot of people don't even know who the fuck they are, okay? And their existence can be dated back to the 1700s, okay? So, like I was telling you about the word Illuminati, okay? So, the Illuminati, quote-unquote, was a name used by German sect that had existed back in the 15th century. Um, they practiced the occult and professed the possession of light that Lucifer had retained to become Satan. Okay, in an attempt to document the origins of the secret or, uh, organization, which has evolved into a uh, mastodonic nightmare, successfully creating and controlling a shadow government that supersedes several national governments and in whose hands now lie the destiny of the world. Okay, so in just reading that, you can see that, so I can't recall which movie it was with Tom Hanks. It was, I don't know, Angels and Demons or the other one. Hell, I don't know the two of them. Um, <laughs> the Da Vinci Code, I think was, I think Da Vinci Code was the one I'm thinking of. But you heard the word Illuminati, Illuminatus, you know, whatever. But the way they portrayed it was more of it was um, like a, like they were doing the work of God, right? And it's kind of fucked up because I mean, I really thought about it. But obviously, like I just told you, if Lucifer is the light, Illuminati is the light, one equals the other, right? So anyway, on to the Rothschilds and kind of how they got their start. So in 1743, a goldsmith named Amschel Moses Bauer opened a coin shop in Frank Frankfurt, Germany. He hung above his door a sign depicting a Roman eagle on a red shield. The shop became known as the Red Shield Firm. The German word for red, sh uh, red shield is Rothschild. And um, so Amschel had a son named McGillicuddy Jones. I'm sorry, I was writing something down. <laughs> had a son named Meyer Amishal Bauer, okay? At a very early age, Meyer showed that he possessed immense intellectual ability, and his father spent much of his time teaching him everything he could about money. Lending businesses in, um, in the basic dynamic of finance, a few years later, after his father's death in 1755, Meyer went to work in Hanover as a clerk in a bank owned by the Oppenheimers. While in the employ of the Oppenheimers, he was introduced to a German, I'm sorry, to a General von Estroff, for whom he ran errands. Meyer's superior, superior ability was quickly recognized, 
and his advancement within the firm was swift. He was awarded a junior partnership with Von Estroff, would later provide the yet-to-be-formed um, uh, House of Rothschilds, an entree into the palace of Prince Williams. His, his success allowed him um, the means to return to Frankfurt and purchase a business his father had established in 1743. The big red shield was still displayed over the door, recognizing true significance of the red shield his father had adopted the emblem from the red flag, which is the em uh, emblem of the revolutionary-minded Jews in Eastern Europe. Mayer changed his name to Rothschild Red Shield. It was this point the House of Rothschild became. Through his experience with the Oppenheimers, Meyer Rothschild learned to, uh, that loaning money to governments and kings was much, much more profitable than loaning to private individuals. Not only were the loans bigger, but they were secured by the nation's taxes. Which brings us to when I spoke, to, you know, when me and Chris were doing the show and I spoke about the Federal Reserve. It's the same thing. The Federal Reserve and everybody, I, I shouldn't say everybody, but most anybody you speak to, if you ask them about the Federal Reserve, they're going to tell you that it is a government entity. It is not. It is a privately owned bank by the Rothschilds. They make their money basically by loaning uh, money to the government to pay whatever. So, you know, we always talk about, um, or, you know, you see that, like, what's going on right now with the spending bill, like $3.5 trillion, $5 trillion, one point five, whatever it is. And we always wonder, okay, if we're at, you know, I don't know the number, if we're $26 trillion in debt, whatever the number is, who are we in debt to? <laughs> who do we owe money to? A lot of people say, oh, it's China. We owe money to China. And I often say, in jest, <laughs> what what is China going to do? Come in here and repossess the, you know, whatever? Is it going to be a means to war? Well, in essence, yes, but not like that. It's not like China is going to come knocking on the door saying, uh, we need our TV back that you loaned, you know, borrowed money from us and you bought that TV. We're going to need that TV. Now, they're not repo men. It's not like that. What'll happen is it'll be a different way, okay? And um, what I'm what I mean to say is I don't want to go. I don't want to read this story word for word. I've told you that before. But anyway, and I'll, and I'm gonna get to war here in a second. So Mary Rothschild had five sons: Amishal, Solomon, Nathan, Carl, and Jacob. Okay. So basically, what he did is he took his five sons and killed them. No, he sent them to different countries of, in Europe. And uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. And I'm sure that will not be the case. But I think one went to England. One went to France. One went to Austria. Um, so he kept one in Germany. So Germany, England, France, Austria, and somewhere else. It was all Europe. Though. I just can't think of the fifth country. But nonetheless, and, and with the goal of doing that. So in Germany, the, uh, the father there, Nathan... He, um, I'm sorry, Mayer, Meyer, I don't know how to say it, M-E-Y-E-R, Meyer, like the baloney guy, maybe, I don't know. So he, uh, you know, he loaned money to the, the government of um, Germany, was able to recoup money because the money was guaranteed by um, taxes, right? 
And he taught his sons the same skill. And they, in turn, went to other countries to do basically the same thing. One of those countries, like I said, was England. And we talked about this in the last show where they set up the Bank of England. So um, in the later 1700s, Meyer moved his entire family into a five-story dwelling he shared with the Schiff family, i.e. Jacob Schiff, right? In 1865, the Schiff's not-yet-born grandson, Jacob, would move to New York. So what that means is not born yet. You know, it's obviously, he was born at some point. <laughs> um, in late, uh, late 1700s, uh, Meyer Rothschild and his, and his boys moved into this house. And um, Jacob, uh, Jacob Schiff was born at some point. And in 1865, he moved to America. <laughs> And in 1917, became the mastermind behind funding the Bolshevik Revolution. So that was in Russia, and that's basically how communism came about. Because at, at, before this time, Russian Russia was a monarchy. You had a king and a queen and whatever. Or I guess they called them czars. But, um, and they didn't like that. They, being the Rothschilds, didn't like that. So who's Jacob Schiff, right? Jacob Schiff is one of those names... And the way I equate him is to Jacob Schiff is essentially was the George Soros of his times. Okay, so you hear George Soros's name nowadays, and it's usually um, let me just throw out an example. Okay, so in Chicago you have a prosecutor, and actually in a lot of these major cities you have prosecutors, you know, that are um, turning over. They're doing bail reform, and they're doing no cash bails, and they're doing they're not prosecuting the small crimes, right? I think, uh, God, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but the, the attorney general, the, the prosecutor, whatever he is, in L.A., same thing. Well, a lot of these these lawyers, these prosecutors, whatever, are funded when they ran for election, were funded by George Soros. So the question is why? Why, why does George Soros give a shit about who is the the city attorney, the, the attorney general, you know, whatever the case may be, the the um, state's attorney. Well, because you can obviously give money to defense attorneys to try and get these people off, but if you're if you're not prosecuting them, you don't have to worry about defense attorneys, right? Anyway, that's that's who Jacob Schiff is, in essence, to the the Rothschilds. The Rothschilds are on the money, and like I said, you don't hear about them. You don't hear their names. People don't talk about them, and they're afraid to mention George Soros. Why? Because, uh, I don't know, (laughs) because he's obviously a well-connected individual. And I would assume back in the 1800s and 1900s, uh, early, you know, that it was the same way with with Jacob Schiff. He was that guy. Anyway, the action would successfully instate communism as a major world movement, which was and still is a basic tenet of the Illuminati and the collectivist agenda. So it's much in the sense of what we're going through right now in America in the, um, we just call it different. We call it American socialism, right? It's basically the same thing. They don't want you to own anything. They want to ration food. They want to, I mean, you think the supply chain thing is, is, is an accident? I mean, is it, or is it a way to, 
halt the means of production, you know? Is it a way for the, the, the government to control your lives? Remember, they want to have a universal income. Well, why, why would you want a universal income? Well, if, if the government can pay you, then they can dictate what you spend the money on. We just saw recently where the IRS was put in charge of monitoring your, um, your bank accounts, right? Why? So if I work and I bust my ass for a living and I have more than $600 in the bank, who the fuck cares? You know how I got the money. You know I worked and I made, you know, X amount of dollars this week and uh, my check got deposited in the bank and, you know, I paid my, my bills and whatever and I have whatever in the bank. Now, I guess in a sense that if I didn't work, if I was unemployed, if I'm a 40-whatever-year-old man and I've got, you know, $10,000 sitting in the bank and I don't work and I don't collect unemployment or disability or I didn't get a large settlement from J.G. Wentworth then yeah, maybe you might question why I have X amount of dollars in the bank. I get that. So, excuse me. So, as time proceeds, the, um, you know, I told you how um, the the uh, Rothschilds had uh, financed the American Revolution. So, <laughs> I was a little off in how I spoke on it. I, I made it seem like they wanted, well, they did want America to break from England, but it it's mainly a way to collect more money. So if they let you borrow $1,000 and your interest is, you know, 10%, so you owe them 100 bucks, right? So your payback is $1,100, okay? So in essence, they just wanted more money. They wanted to, they let the, the Bank of England borrow money for the war, against America or against the colonies, I guess at the time. And, uh, in turn wanted more money, but the way they did it was kind of sneakily. So during the American revolution, the house of Rothschilds brokered a deal between the throne of England and Prince William of Germany. William was to brought to provide 1600, um, 16,000, I'm sorry, 16,800 Hessen, soldiers to help England stop the revolution in America. Rothschilds was also made responsible for the transfer of funds that were to pay the German soldiers. The transfer was never made. Soldiers were never paid, which accounted for their poor showing, and the Americans prevailed. At this point, Meyer Rothschild set his sights on America. Okay. So, um, like I said, I'm not going to read all of this word for it. Something that did stick out was was this. So, by 1810, the House of Rothschilds not only had substantial sh uh, stake in the Bank of the United States, they were quietly gaining control of the Bank of England. Although foreign owners were not, by law, allowed to allow to say in day-to-day -day operations of the Bank of the United States, there was little doubt that the American shareholders and directors were, if not affiliated, complicit in the aims of the goals of the Illuminati and their central bankers. So, in 1811, the charter for the First Bank of America was not renewed. As a result, the Rothschilds lost millions. So, and they lost millions in 1811, so that's a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money today, but it's a lot of money back then. This enraged Nathan Rothschild so much that he almost single-handedly 
fomented the War of 1812 using his formidable power and influence. He coerced the British Parliament to attempt to retake the colonies. The first military attempt failed. The second strategy was to divide and conquer. Any serious historian will find that the Civil War was largely stirred up by the Rothschilds, Illuminati agents also. And, um, <coughs> sorry, that that's true. I, it's almost like in reading a lot of this stuff that just about every major conflict that we know about um, in the history of the world since the <laughs> mid-1700s was the Rothschilds had some hand in it. Now, that's telling, and you got to wonder why, but it brings you to today. We have said this time and time again that they, there's no money in peace, okay? We've seen this time and time again. You know, the uh, World War II, right? We were in the middle of a, of a um, freaking, um, shit, <laughs> what was it? You know. The, the thing, man. Come on, man. No, but um, the Great Depression, right? So in, in the late uh, 1920s, early uh, 30s, you know, th this country was broke. We were broke because we we basically used our rent money to play the stock market, and the stock market crashed, essentially. And uh, the way we got out of the Great Depression was war. So there's no money in peace. There's money in war. Why? I don't know. Why Why is it that you can be a broke country in the middle of a Great Depression and then go to war, which costs money, but come out on the backside rich? I would, I would say the Rothschilds had something to do with that. And, and it, like I said, and it goes into the shit we're dealing with today with the racial tensions. If everyone was in peace and harmony... Well, there's no fun in that. We don't watch movies. We don't go to the movie and watch a movie with uh, two people just sitting there holding hands, getting along. <laughs> Even love stories, there's conflict, right? Action movies, we want conflict. We want some sort of conflict. There's got to be a bad guy. So, <laughs> Meyer Rothschild died on, eight, on September 19th, 1812, which spelled out, and in his will, he spelled out specific guidelines that were to be maintained by his descendants. Okay? Number one, all important posts were to be held by only family members, and only male members were to be involved on the business end. The oldest son and of the oldest son of the oldest son was to be the head of the family unless otherwise agreed upon by the rest of the family as was the case in 1812 when Nathan was appointed to the part, uh, patriarch. Number two, the family was to intermarry with their own first and second cousins. Mm, freaky. So their fortune could be kept in the family and to maintain the appearance of united financial empire. For example, his son James Jacob um, married the um, daughter of another son, Solomon. This rule became less important in later generations as they refocused family goals and married into other fortunes. So what they did was initially <laughs> the brothers would marry off their 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 daughters, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know, a little weird. Um so but as as time progressed and 
this was in 1800s. So you're not talking too many generations ago that these kids had kids and they had kids. And then what they started doing is marrying other wealthy families instead of just keeping it in the family, so to speak. And and I would almost be willing to bet that, you know, incest, we we know this as science has, has uh, evolved that incest or, you know, incestual relationships with the, even if it's with your cousin or your, you know, whatever the case may be, eventually that's going to take a toll on the DNA and you're going to have some fucked up kids. And what I mean by that is you're going to have, you know, medical, you're going to have issues. You're going to have ch- children born with medical um, deficiencies, whether they're, you know, handicapped, they're mentally retarded, they're physically handicapped, they're something wrong with them. Because you can only intermingle the DNA so deep before it, you can only make a copy of a copy so many times before it's fade, right? Uh, see the movie Multiplicity with uh, Michael Keaton. So number three, Rothschilds ordered that there was never to be any public inventory made by the courts or otherwise of the estate. Also, I forbid any legal action and any publication of the value of the inheritance. So I talked about this also when we talk about who's the richest person in the world. You know, a lot, I, I'm, I, there's names. I know there's um, people and, you know, guys in Saudi Arabia and whatever. And we, the names we know, so the Jeff Bezos, the Bill Gates, the whoever, right? And we talk about these people being so rich. Oh, God, you know, Jeff Bezos, billions of dollars, billions of dollars. These people, like I said before, they're so rich, they have money in your wallet. Literally, if you have a dollar bill in your wallet, is actually their money, and you don't even own it. You're just holding on to it, and you're paying taxes on it. But they, by law, <laughs> forbid you to know how rich they are. So you will never know that the Rothschilds' wealth supersedes Jeff Bezos and Prince McGillicuddy from Saudi Arabia and Bill Gates and this person and that person because their numbers would shrink theirs because they their money is all around the world it's not an american thing i've told you this before it's a world thing right you think they own the the the, uh treasury i'm sorry not the treasury but the federal reserve okay that's what we call it in america in england it's the bank of england in france it's something else in germany it's something else in russia it's something else i mean i don't know this to be fact but one has to wonder do they have ties to china i don't know Anyway, reading on, Nathan Meyer Rothschilds, who by 1820 had established a firm grip on the Bank of England, stated, I care not what puppet is placed upon the throne of England to rule the empire on which the sun, the sun never sets. The man who controls Britain's money supply controls the British Empire, and I control British money supply. The second bank of the United States was also chartered by the Bank of England to carry the American war debt, which was chartered. The charter expired in 1836. President Andrew Jackson refused to renew it, saying a central bank concentrated too much power in the hands of unelected bankers. In 1938, Nathan made the following statement. Permit me to issue and control the money of the nation, and I care not who makes its laws. During the first... Um, quarter of the 19th century, the Rothschilds explained their financial empire throughout the Europe. They crisscrossed the continent with railroads, 
which allowed the transport of coal and steel from their newly purchased mines, ironworks, through the um, through a loan to the government of England. They held the first lean on the Suez Canal. They financed the Romanov dynasty in Russia, um, provided the funding that allowed Cecil Rhodes the opportunity to plunder and sack South Africa, as well as funding that allowed the government of France to plunder and sack North Africa. So, <laughs> once again, they live off of um, creating chaos by whomever, to whomever, at wherever. Doesn't matter. Um, so, as we stated before, the dark sides have been on both sides of every war that has been fought in modern times. The American and British intelligence have documented evidence that the House of Rothschilds has financed both sides of every war since the American Revolution. Financier Chaim Solomon, an Illuminati agent, once again, that would be a similar name of the Jacob Schiff, or to today's names, um, you know, George Soros. Okay. Um, supported the Patriots during the American Revolution, then later made loans to James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, James Monroe, as explained earlier during the Napoleonic Wars. One branch of the family funded Napoleon, while the other financed Great Britain, Germany, and other nations. One of the most prominent Illuminati orders in the U.S. was the Secret Order of Skull and Bones, Illuminati agents William Huntington Russell and Alfonso Taft, Founded the chapter at Yale University in 1833. Then in 1856, an order was incorporated as a Russell Trust. Uh, William Russell became the member of the Connecticut State Legislature in 1846 and the general in the Connecticut National Guard in 1862. Alfonso Taft became Secretary of War in the Grant Administration in 1876 U.S. Attorney General in 1876, and U.S. Ambassador to Russia in 1884. Alfonso Taft's son later became Chief Justice and the United States President. So that would have been uh, President Taft, right? I can't think of his first name off the top of my head. So anyway, in several years preceding the Civil War, a number of Skull and Bones patriarchs were to become leaders in secessionist movements in, su in various southern states. It has been suggested the these pressures exacerbated an already tenuous situation and set the stage for the formation of the, uh, of the Civil War. The Rothschilds banks um, provided finance for both North and South during the war. After the Civil War, the more clever method was used to take over the United States. Rothschilds financed Austin Belmont, Kuhn Loeb, and the Morgan Banks. So Belmont and Loeb was a was a banker uh, company, and Morgan Banks, J.P. Morgan's, right? Then financed the Harriman's Railroads, Carnegie Steel, and the other industrial titans, agents like Paul Wahlberg, Jacob Schiff, Bernard Birch, and uh, I see another name's missing from here, but one of those other names was... Uh, Oh, well, it's down here. Anyway, Rockefeller. So <laughs> by the end of the 19th century, the, Rock, uh, the Rothschilds had controlling influences England, France, Germany, U.S., Austria, and Italy. Only Russia was left outside the financial sphere of world domination. England, through the Bank of uh, England, 
ruled most of the world. Jacob Schiff, president of Kuhn Low Bank in New York, was appointed um, by, I don't even know how to spell that, Brennan Brith, a secret Jewish Masonic order, meaning Brothers of the Covenant, to the revolutionary um, leader of the revolutionary in, or revolution in Russia, i.e. the Bol- Bolsheviks, right? Uh, a cartel made up of the Carnegies, Morgans, Rockefellers, and Chases. So you understand these names. Carnegie probably isn't so prevalent of a name now, but we do know J.P. Morgan. We also know Chases, right? So J.P. Morgan, Morgan Chase, uh, Rockefeller, Standard Oil. I read something about <laughs> Rockefeller was interesting. Uh, I, you know, we think of Rockefellers and we think Standard Oil, we think oil, we think kerosene, whatever. Actually, got his start by selling uh, drugs. Yes. You heard it here first. I mean, this, I didn't break the news. It's it's out there. You can look it up. So this would contribute to the manifestation of communism. In 1917, Trotsky arrived in the United States and received a U.S. passport, where he frequently was seen entering the palatial residence of Jacob Schiff. And blah, 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 because this book goes on and on. But nonetheless, my point being is he, he, uh, or I say he, they had a lot to do with conflict across the world, right? We know this to be true because it's, it's out there, okay? So the bloodlines of the Rothschilds isn't necessarily blood. I mean, obviously, the, the father of the five sons started out when he died was like, this is how it's going to be. You must marry within the family. So there was for the first couple of generations, there was never a, um, an outside, uh, they were all, they were all, um, Rothschilds, right? The, the, the sons of one brother married the daughter of the other brothers and so on and so forth. So anyway, Jacob Schiff is the name that, like I said, not a lot of people know now because you may have heard of the Rothschilds. You may have heard of, you obviously probably have heard of George Soros and people like that. And like I said, these, these people are generals in the army. Now, Jacob Schiff was the son of, I don't know his father's name, but anyway, the Schiff family lived with the the initial Rothschilds family, and that's kind of how he became, he he was in with them. And obviously, all being bloodline Jews, which is an important note, bloodline Jews, um, he was, he had an in, even though he wasn't related, right? And so, when you, when you read about, when I tell you about the 13 bloodlines of the Rothschilds and Illuminati, it's not necessarily the the bloodlines of them. What they're referring to is um, something that they call bloodline Jews. Okay, and that's what um, World War II was a lot about. And the uh, so history has told us. So the basic history of World War II. I'm not even talking about American involvement because we know that was. Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, pissed us off, yada, 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 whatever. But the you, you, you can find 
different stories of why World War II was what it was, okay? So there's a story out there that'll tell you that um, the uh, Bank of Germany, whatever they were called, was obviously financed by the Rothschilds, right? We know this because that's how they got their start was in Germany. Now, in Germany prior to Hitler even being born, but whatever, they still ran shit in Germany. Well, when Hitler became Hitler, he didn't give a fuck about the Rothschilds, okay? And it's not to say that he didn't give a fuck about the Rothschilds because he hated Jews. That's the popular opinion, okay? (laughs) Right? That's what we are told. We are told Hitler did what he did because he wanted to create an Aryan race and he hated Jews and yada, yada, yada. But there's other things that will tell you that Hitler was a Jew, so it didn't make any sense, right? Well, one story you can find is that the reason Hitler did what he did was essentially because he wanted to kick the Rothschilds out of Germany, took over their castle, made it state property, or you know whatever you want to call it, state property, and which pissed off the Rothschilds, and war, war, you know, started after that. Now, kind of that story to me personally kind of falls apart because what would that have to do with with Hitler marching into Poland and Russia and so on and so forth, right, and going into France and trying to take over Europe, right? What would that have to do with with that? So, you know, whatever. Um, one of the stories I found more was where Jacob Schiff um, may have been the power behind Zionism and the eventual creation of Israel. And many scholars accept that. However, like I told you before, he also created Bolshevism, which was the Bolshevik War in, in Russia and so on and so forth. I just talked about that. So anyway, so we know this that he also created Hitler and Nazi Germany. So his inheritors now control it all. So um, in a short version of this, what we'll say is um, we're going to go into a new history of what made World War II what it was. Okay? So there's a term out there that's called Sephardic Jews. So... um, these people, so when you hear like Jews run the banks and Jews run the world, and Jews this and Jews that, these are the people they're talking about, Sephardic Jews. Um, and, the, and like I said, these people are usually accused of running the world. And um, it was their efforts that also made it well-organized frenzy, uh, the hatred of other Jews or what they called fake Jews. Okay, so these um, Sephardic Jews... And it's a weird word, um, so I'm going to stop using it, and we're just going to call them bloodline Jews. So, basically, when they say other Jews or fake Jews or whatever, these were Jewish people that were, at one time, their family, their bloodline was Sephardic. They were pure-blood Jews, okay? And what that means is, they only married so if i'm pure blood if i'm a pure blood jewish person okay my my lineage can be traced back to only having a, a mother and father 
grandmother, grandfather, so on and so forth, they were Jewish. There was never any inner intermingling of uh, whatever. Okay, but what happened was as time progressed over over time, you had maybe a Jew marry a Christian, maybe you know whatever the case may be, and it and it uh, in their words, I'm going to say, dirtied the bloodline. Okay, so in Europe, in this during this time, it pissed off the Sephardic Jews, the people that were running shit. Whether that's and we know those people to be the Rothschilds, Jacob Schiff, you know, so like I said, Jacob Schiff had it in with this, with the Rothschilds, not only because they lived together at one point, or, you know, the families lived together at one point, but he was a pure um, a Sephardic Jew. He was a bloodline Jew, right? He was, they knew that Jacob Schiff's family was a, a pure blood, and his and it was they they could trace the lines back um it's very it's very mob like so i don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie the godfather i'm not sorry goodfellas so in in goodfellas uh joe pesci's character right they open the books on him and the reason robert denair's character and ray Liotta's character could never be a, a made man so to speak was because like Ray Liotta's character, I think the mom was from Sicily, but the dad was uh, was uh, Irish or something. And um, the uh, the uh, fucking uh, Robert De Niro's guy, I think he was Irish. So they could never be in the Italian mom because they weren't pure blood Italians. Whereas Joe Pesci's character was. They opened the books. They looked through the bloodline. It wasn't necessarily about his mom and dad. But his mom and dad, and their mom and dad, and their mom and dad, and so on and so forth. Same, same situation. So anyway, so real scholars have felt, you know, a gun to their head when looking at the Federal Reserve controversy and Jacob Schiff, who is discussed as a really, really scary guy. Um, and like I said, to me, when I think of Jacob Schiff, when I in reading all this stuff, when I think of Jacob Schiff, I think of, of. Um, George Soros. I'm sorry. Now, <laughs> kind of not to segue back to Louis Farrakhan. If you guys watch that video, and like I said, I'm going to hopefully be able to put it in the pod podcast show notes. So make sure you scroll down and look at that. And it's like I said, it's about a 20 minute video. But listening to this towards the end, you can hear the little bit of fear in his voice. But you know, he believes that he's fine because he's a man of God, whoever his God is. Um. And he was more worried about the people he was talking to. So, uh, me saying the things I'm saying, I'm just some dude on a microphone with a part-time podcast and a full-time job. Um, we already know that last time I kind of talked about the Rothschilds, the show got taken off a podcast. Um, I'm all in on this podcast, so we'll see what happens. But it is what it is. Anyway, <laughs> so... Um, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep backtracking here, but, you know, because George Soros is the name of that shouldn't be named, and here I'm saying his name like it's, you know, my best friend. Jacob Schiff is, in my opinion, that same person, but just 100 years ago. Anyway, so he, um, he, he was in the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, supposedly anti-Semitic text fabricated in Russia. So if you look... Um, at where the evidence takes it takes you, you are fired or even killed. 
So what I'm reading here is, in this essence, basically by me talking about this stuff, you know, am I going to be fired? Am I going to be killed? You know, I don't know. I mean, this was obviously back in the day. But the depths of what these people did, they ruled the world. They were, and, and to dumb it down just to this country, they ruled this country. They, we talk about this all the time, president, whoever. You know, whether it's Biden, Trump, Obama, whatever. They are just a figurehead. You heard it before when Nathan Rothschild said, I don't give a shit who the queen of, who the ruler of England is. I run the bank. I rule shit. It's the same thing here. Okay. So anyway, the kinds of things you find when you really look lead you to a powerful Sephardic banking families of the Middle Ages. As reinvented... As they settled into Germany with new names, new identities, and came to America, they ran everything, literally everything. Railroads, stock markets, oddly enough, everything they ran, uh, except for the Ford Motor Company. (laughs) I don't know how they managed to do that, but whatever. (laughs) The cases can be made that they started the Spanish War. Well, I already went into this, you know, the different wars. But anyway, so this is where the names intrigued me okay so evidence exonerably led has led uh, scholars to one conclusion above all orders i'm sorry all others that sephardic cash laundered through the bush rockefeller harriman and other less obvious sephardic families created hitler and pushed for the genocide of non-sephardic jews so when they're saying Bush, Rockefeller, Harriman, like I'm gonna even leave Harriman out because that's not a name anybody really knows. Like I said, he was more of a um, a train, you know, railroad guy, and not that we don't have trains nowadays, but they're not as prevalent as they were, you know, 150 years ago. But let's let's focus on Bush, Rockefeller. So we know who Rockefeller is, J.D. Rockefeller, Bush. So we're not talking about Jeb or W or even Daddy, right? We're talking about Daddy, Daddy. So that would be Preston Bush. And when I first saw this, I was like, Bush. So Bush, Rockefeller. So I was like, well, what does Bush have to do with, with um, the Rothschilds? And not to mention the fact that I didn't know that the uh, Bush family was Jewish, or the Rockefeller family was Jewish for that matter. Um, evidently they were because... Like I said, in order to be involved in this, you had to be a bloodline Jew. So, because when I say they, but by they, we don't mean Jews, because there's Jews everywhere. It was, like I said, the word Sephardic means bloodline, so bloodline Jews. And everyone else that wasn't, that was a fake Jew, had to be gone. Okay? So... Um, he created Hitler, or I say he, they, created Hitler and pushed for the genocide of non-Sephardic Jews. So that's where Hitler and the killing of Jews came into question. So um, the way we were taught history was um, Hitler killed the Jews uh, in a, in a, in a, you know, to be able to go ahead and rule all of Europe and take over all of Europe and make it one big country of Germany, but he had to kill all the Jews. Well, that's, <laughs> I'm not saying what Hitler did was right, okay? I'm not excusing what happened, okay? He was he was another pawn in 
the game of the Rothschilds playing world domination. They played a game of risk, and they were running shit. So I would assume they gave him the power that that was in order for him to do what he had to do. And if you recall, in history, you've had situations where Jewish, you know, and even now we've we've seen memes and whatnot on Facebook and stuff where um, people say with what's going on now that I, I could understand what it would be like living in 1930-whatever Germany and you have your neighbors telling on you because those are the people that aren't vaccinated. Well, in essence, it's the same thing. So you you had Jewish people telling on Jewish people. But the way we made it, the way we were taught was that it was just Jewish people telling on Jewish people. But that's not the case. What it was was you had bloodline Jews telling on fake Jews, so to speak. Not that these people weren't Jewish and that they didn't practice Judaism and they, you know, pract- you know whatever, however Jews practice a religion, you know, all the, the, the rituals and whatnot, you know what I'm saying? I'm not Jewish, so I, I don't want to speak on it in that sense. But my point being is Hitler didn't kill all the Jews or he didn't even try to kill all the Jews. It was more of a situation of killing the fake Jews. Okay, the non-pure Jews, because like I said, Hitler was Jewish himself. So why would he kill Jewish people? Right. It wasn't just because of world domination It wasn't even because of him wanting to dominate the world is because he wanted to be who he was. And it was an excuse to do what he did. Well, he obviously didn't want to kill all the Jews or well, I guess he did kill himself. <laughs> he, You know what I'm saying? Point being was he was a pure blood Jew himself, therefore he was safe. He was on the end. He was one of them. Okay, so um, obviously uh, the Sephardic Jews did not remain in Europe and were not killed off. Then again, we have you know we obviously know of this to be fact. Now I've said this time and time again. It's hard to trust history. It's hard to trust the things we've learned in history uh, in school, okay? Because one of the good things with the Internet is there's so much shit out there to read, right? Obviously, when I was in school, there was no such thing as Google and computer. I mean, there was obviously computers, but not computers like we know now. You didn't have a computer in your house back then. We had to We had to use encyclopedias and whatever was in the library, you know, the periodic or, you know, the, I don't know fucking what it's called, you know, where you look up books and shit. And, uh, but we had to trust what we are reading as far as those books that were sanctioned by the government to be in that library. Right. Um, and like I've said time and time again, history is written by the winners. Okay. So they're going to tell you the history as they see it. Even in the Bible, we know there's chapters missing from the Bible. We know this because the Bible, there's chapters that don't coincide. They, there's chapters that skip. So we know that somewhere, some I'm assuming, hopefully, one day, we'll know the whole story of the Bible. Um, if you're fortunate enough to go to heaven. But um, there was obviously chapters taken out of the Bible through interpretation, through either 
they couldn't understand what was meant, you know, what John the Baptist meant when he was writing what he wrote. They couldn't understand the Hebrew Hebrew uh, translation, or probably more importantly, they didn't like what was being said. So they just took it out, right? They edited. So, like I said, we've had we have Holocaust deniers. There's people that believe that that never happened, and um, claim that few were killed off. The story is interesting. Um, built a fact and mechanically altered assumptions, but their studies open the door, yet perhaps not the door they want. Sometimes it seems like Jews are at war with the world, and it can be read that massive white identity material, 99% garbage, and fake history, 90% garbage, can be believed. Moreover, scholars and others claim the Holocaust didn't happen and that the Jewish conspiracy thought it up so that Jews could commit monstrous crimes and get away with it by playing the victim. So, eh, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> well, let me read on. So, this group called Deniers says that gas chambers didn't exist, that Germany Germans were really delousing the Jews, and that the concentration camps were work camps where 800,000 Jews died, perhaps were murdered, is more appropriate, and that the Holocaust narrative is based on fakery. Um, we'll soon tire of this word overused by the writer that just perhaps all is fake. Either way, the story is a dreadful one. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think what they're trying to say is that they they took these uh, quote-unquote fake Jews, put them in these concentration camps with the, with the point of uh, re-educating them, I guess. Um, I, I don't think that was the case because, as we well know, even today, the idea is to depopulate the earth. There's too many people on this earth, right? That's what they want, right? So if you can kill 800,000 Jews, then that's 800,000 less people, right? So, um, so you know, I, I didn't read this whole article uh, word for word because it starts going into the Saudi Saudi royal family and and like I said these these people these uh, Rothschilds they have their hand in everything there is no there is no uh, one thing it's not America it's not Europe it's not <laughs> it's not England France it's every fucking country in this world the Rothschilds have something to do with. Why are, you know, we, we talk about third world countries, right? Why are some countries poorer than others? Why is Haiti, Haiti? Why is uh, Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe? I don't know. I'm just throwing out countries. Well, I would assume they don't bring much to the table. And what I mean by that is natural resources, okay? Not saying that the people of these countries are any less human than we are in America or England or wherever, but I'm saying natural resources. So obviously you have some countries in Africa and wherever that you can get diamonds from, or now the big thing is the, uh, the, uh, freaking shit, the, the stuff for the batteries What's that lithium, right? So these, these mines in Africa and Australia and stuff are just stripped. They, people talk about, <laughs> uh, carbon emissions and this, that, and the other thing. 
when in actuality, look at look up a lithium mine. Just Google that. Tell me what you see. Tell me that's not destroying the environment. Okay. At any rate, um, so wherever those deposits are, whether it's diamonds, lithium, oil, whatever the case may be, then obviously that land is valuable to the Rothschilds. Therefore, that country is valuable to the Rothschilds. But some of these countries just in, in general are, are just barren, right? There's not a lot of infrastructure. There's not a lot going on. So they can just go in and steal and take whatever they want, with not much of a, not much of a, a whimper. Okay, so, um, but countries like America and England and and whatnot benefit the countries themselves benefit. Like I said, bring it back to America. We're I don't know the number, but we're however many trillion dollars in debt. Like I said, who are we in debt to? Okay, you got dipshit McGee. I'm not going to raise taxes on you unless you if you're making under four hundred thousand. Well, lo and behold, uh, President Shitty Pants, you are raising taxes without raising taxes. And what I mean by that is we're paying more at the pump, we're paying more at the grocery store, <laughs> we're paying more in everyday life. He actually had the nerve to come out and say that at this G20 conference or whatever he's in, it was at in uh, Scotland, that the in America, the, the wages have rose more than the deficit. This year, well, uh, not so much because the wages uh, in September, look this up, was 0.6% increase over, you know, for the month. So uh, I'm assuming from a month-to-month basis, I talked about this a couple of shows ago, how the, the, uh, the, um, shit, (laughs) how, uh, I don't want to say deficit, but how, uh, um, shit, what is the word? Oh my God, I've lost my mind. Anyway, so if it's 0.6, the, the rate of, uh, inflation, there we go. Inflation. That's the word of the day. Inflation (laughs) for the month has rose 5.4%, but yet he goes out there and says, oh no, no, no. The, the wages have grown more than inflation. Well, I don't know about you, but my check didn't go up 6% or 7% or 10% or whatever percent. Um, I would I would garner a guess that I know for a fact that I'm actually on trend. I'm trending to make less money this year than I did last year because of this. Um, fortunately, I'm, I mean, I'll be all right. Don't worry about me. But um, nonetheless... Um, there's a, there's your taxes, there's your taxes without taxing you. Okay. And like I said, you pay FICA, right? FICA is paying the res- the federal reserve. Why do we have to pay the federal reserve? Well, it's because we owe we, and not you and me, but we owe the Rothschilds money. We don't think about it because we're not taught that because it was in his will that it shouldn't be spoke of. Who in the fuck is he? I, I would love to put shit in my will, and you can't talk about whatever. It, not like it was a law, but that's how powerful. This man put this in his will that you can't talk about it, and nobody fucking talks about it. We just accept the fact that the Federal Reserve is what it is. They They print the money, and we pay taxes on it. 
not I'm not even talking about income taxes. God forbid you live in a state where you got to pay state income tax plus your federal income tax plus <laughs> plus you're paying FICA. And that's your federal reserve tax. So we're paying a tax to a to a company that we have nothing to do with. You know, I you pay income taxes which I disagree with. Um I feel that you should be able to pay you know, if you whatever state you live in, you pay your your um, sales tax, you go and buy something in a store, whatever you pay, whatever the sales tax is. Well, those, um, you, those taxes pay for whatever, right? Pay for schools and your property taxes, your, those things that you pay for in your town, in your city and wherever you go, pay for those things. What does federal income tax pay for? So we're just being taxed to work essentially. So I'm glad you got a job, pay your bill. So I got to pay the government so I can go to work. How much sense does that make? Not to mention, we have to pay an entity that we have nothing to do with a tax because the government got in bed with these people to borrow money. Once again, how fair is that? Um, but more importantly... What are you going to do about it? You're not going to do anything because most people don't question it because that's how we are raised. You've had plenty of presidents oppose the Federal Reserve. Okay? You've had plenty of presidents die because of that. Okay? You've had the one president, <laughs> thank God, that didn't find his way to the end of a gun was our last president. And... That's not to say that had he got reelected, that wouldn't have happened. Now, I'm not saying he would have died or whatever, but I'm not saying they wouldn't have tried like they did with Ronald Reagan. Obviously, the last um, president we had that was killed and, you know, was uh, assassinated was Kennedy, right? Well, why was he killed? Well, story goes, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald killed him because whatever. He was a Russian agent and blah 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 Cuba this and Russia that and whatever the truth of the matter is Oswald whether he was the one we I don't believe that to be true I'm not saying he didn't have anything to do with it but I'm not saying he acted alone either just watching the Zapruder films you could tell that that shot wasn't the only shot from the book depository there was more shots but I'm not getting into a whole JFK thing on this show point being is he was once again not a general. He wasn't a Jacob Schwab, uh, Jacob Schiff or a Klaus Schwab or a George Soros. He wasn't one of those. He was more like a lieutenant or an operative, right? Anyway, uh, and then, of course, he had to be the patsy. He had to be the scapegoat. Point being is the reason reason JFK was killed, and then you can also hear stories. People, oh, he was killed because he wanted to get out. He didn't want to go into Vietnam. He didn't want to start that war. Mm, maybe. Maybe that's true. Because, as we well know now, Rothschilds have a lot to do with war. Okay? Um, I believe the reason he was killed was because he wanted to uh, audit the Federal Reserve and possibly do away with them. Um, I kind of believe that more than anything else. <laughs> so... Um, because based on the man's uh, 
Will, right? That was, that was not allowed. You are not allowed to know how much money we have. Okay, so why in the fuck are we doing business with you? Right? Nonetheless, I'm not getting into a JFK discussion. Um, I, the one thing that interests me the most is Andrew Jackson, okay, was a Democrat president didn't want to start the Federal Reserve, didn't want to get in bed. Well, it wasn't even the Federal Reserve back then because that actually started in 1900s, but the central banking system, he didn't want that. He believed that each state could have their own bank, their own currency, and so on and so forth, right? And uh, they they wanted a centralized bank, i.e. centralized currency, so instead of Florida having its money and Georgia having its money, which is true, you can you can look this up. Each state had their own money. Now, I think a dollar in Florida was a dollar in Georgia, was a dollar in North Carolina, whatever. It wasn't like the money value was higher. It's not like it is now where a dollar in Canada might be worth more, you know, a dollar in Canada might be worth less, whatever. It's, it wasn't like that. They just wanted all the money. And I and I guess the reason was so maybe it was easier or harder, I should say, to to fake the money, you know, counterfeit the money. Um, if if the dollar bill is the same in Florida as it is in California or wherever else, then it's the same. If a Florida dollar bill is different than a Georgia dollar bill, how do you know if it's real or fake? Anyway, um, he opposed that in the sense that it wasn't so much the central bank aspect of opposing that idea. It was the fact that you're letting a private entity run said bank. And he felt that the only people that should have control over that money was Congress. Now, this was, you know, 150 years ago, 160 whatever years ago. Who's to say that would have been a good idea either <laughs> with the politicians we have nowadays, but... Uh, that's needless to be said. Um, point being is, once you involve a private, let's, let's just dumb it down to me and you, okay? Um, you have your money in the bank, okay? You can look at your bank account on a daily basis, so you trust the fact that that money's going to be there tomorrow. But if the bank shuts down, goes out of business, where's your money at? Right? We trust that the bank's not going to do that, but... It has happened. I mean, I I bank at a bigger bank, but you know some of these smaller banks. That's why I never would bank at a small bank, because I've literally seen banks close. There's a bank there today, and tomorrow it's closed. Now I would assume that if you bank there, you got notification. Hey, next month we're closing. Whatever. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't bank at small banks. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. Is maybe banking at SunTrust? You know, not SunTrust, but uh. You know, Bank of America or Chase or Wells Fargo, these national banks, maybe that's not a good thing either. Which is why I always say that if you have the ability to do so, maybe buy some silver, buy some gold, buy some crypto. Uh, and why is that? Because if you have gold in your or gold or silver or whatever in your safe or you have cryptocurrency, um, that's not a federally reserved held note. Um I would say that the problem I personally have with crypto is it's so volatile. One minute it's this and next minute it's that and it rises and drops like the tide. Gold and silver stays pretty steady. It never really drops, you know, so whatever. Anyway, I'm not here to give you financial uh, uh, advice, but um, nonetheless. 
Um, I think what I'm going to do, because we are stretching out to an hour and a half, I obviously have a lot more to talk about. Um, we're going to go ahead and, and gap it gap it here. Um, I'll go ahead and part three this at least, if not um, part four, or at least a conclusion. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Just know where we left off. We're talking about Jacob Schiff and uh, how he tried to kill all the Jews in Europe. Um, like I said, I shouldn't even say in, Jew- in Europe. This spread it through the Ottoman Empire into uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, and like I said, it wasn't Jews as as a religion as much as it was a a the unpure Jews. I would say as bad as we think Hitler was and Saddam was and these these names that you know in history as being evil people, just know that these evil people were put up and financed by Jacob Schiff, which in turn was financed by the Rothschilds, right? And um, the Jacob Schiff is dead and gone. Uh, there's new players in the game. And we'll go into those new players on the next episode with a very, very well-known name uh, of the Bush family and Preston Bush, which was the the grand, uh, well, the dad to George Bush, George Papa Bush, right? Which he was the father of Jeb and George and and so on and so forth. But we'll get into more of a current state of affairs in, in the sense of what the Rothschilds and the Bush family have to do with with everything that's going on in today and how that also probably is going to meld into the conflicts that we know of. If you're in the in your 40s, like I am, think of all the, the, the recent conflicts in the past 30 years that you that you know of you know the Kuwait war desert storm um, 9-11 Trump being elected how everybody lost their ever-loving mind when Trump was elected because I have a theory on that so with that being said let me talk about our last sponsor our legendary sponsor I have to get my Sexy voice going for them, that's right. Smoothmyballs.com backslash DTOM. Check them out. The link will be at the bottom of the podcast page. Check them out for 20% off on razors and accessories for your man areas. <laughs> but no, seriously, check them out. And also, for, don't forget, we are a brand ambassador to Maker's Mark bourbon. Good stuff. I get drunk on on a daily basis. Not really, because I don't drink liquor, but nonetheless... They are a sponsor of the show. Please uh, patronize. Patronize? No, I don't think that's the right word. But anyway, buy some of their stuff. And uh, one one day in the near future, I will have my own barrel of D-Tom bourbon supplied to me by Maker's Mark. It's just got to ferment and get tasty. Anyway. But I will say this, guys. I have a special little announcement. I don't know if I should tell you who's going to be here, but I am going to have a special guest in the DTOM studios on Friday. So please, 
Not really sure what that show will go. Like I said, what I just talked about in this episode is very long, and uh, there's a lot more to it. Uh, we might touch on that on Friday. We'll have to see what happens. But uh, it'll probably be a cornucopia of topics and subjects. So please, guys, please check this show out and share this show. It's very important to me. And I don't, like, I'm not some of these other podcasts that ask you to subscribe to their Patreon. I don't even have Patreon. I don't give you my PayPal information and I'm not asking for donations. I'm really not. You know, I fund this by myself. I pay to put this out because it's a hobby for me. Okay. Uh, you know, if things happen and I blow up and whatever and I can make money, so be it. I'd, I'd rather, personally, I'd rather make money through sponsors and having sponsorships of the show whoever those sponsors are, then have um, people donate me money. I'm not a church. I don't need patronage. I just need you to listen to the show. And Most importantly, what I need from you guys is to share this, please. I am heard on every podcast platform out there with the exception of, of um, Pandora, so they can suck it. Suck it! Um, so please, guys... Uh, if you have a friend, if you're listening to this on Apple uh, and your friend has an Android, I'm on Google uh, or iHeart or Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon. So pretty much anywhere podcasts can be heard with the exception of Pandora, um, they can listen. So the more you guys can help me out with sharing this content with your friends, your family, your your mother, your brother, your sister, your your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your cousin, anyone that would be interested in some of these things. I'm trying to connect the history of our lives, of the world, into what's going on today. I could sit here and give you a show about how Biden shit his pants in, in front of the, the, the Pope. Okay, everyone's talking about that. I can sit here and, well, I do want to sit here and tell you congratulations to Virginia for listening to me and voting for <laughs> the people you voted for. You got Yunkin, you got uh, the attorney, I'm sorry, the uh, Lieutenant Governor Sears. Uh, I think her name's Winsome Sears. Uh, she is the, uh, I believe they said the first African-American uh, Lieutenant Governor of the state. I mean, that's that's kind of huge. Republican also. Uh, like I said, Yunkin's was elected as your governor and I'm not sure of the attorney general, but also a Republican. So you actually had a trifecta. And even in New Jersey right now, the race is being said is too close to call. So uh, I don't know what, what the deal is there, what, what kind of votes they're digging out of the cemeteries or what. But nonetheless, big day for you guys. So I do want to say that. But um, I don't want to delve into I I, you, I listen to I, I probably listen to like three or four other podcasts. I'll be honest with you. Um, and they're all talking basically about the same thing. They're talking about the stuff going on in Virginia, the stuff going on in uh, New Jersey, the you know president shitting himself, the president lying at the G20, whatever, falling asleep at the G20, you know, shitting his pants on <laughs> Anderson Cooper the other day, whether you know the Cornholio thing, whatever. I, I, what I want to do is take these people that are running stuff today and try and find out why is President Biden president? Why 
Who is Hillary Clinton? Why is she prevalent? Why is Bill Clinton prevalent? Right? And why did everybody lose their mind like they did when Trump, who prior to him becoming president, was their best friend? Okay? So with that being said, guys, please go to the website. Don't tread on America. I'm going to put that Louis Farrakhan video up so you can watch it for yourself. It'll be on the website. It'll also hopefully be on this podcast link in the show notes. So please check it out. And like, share, subscribe to the webpage. Go to the Facebook and the and the Twitters and the Instagrams and the, wherever else I'm at. And like, share. I'm being blocked, I believe, a lot by Facebook and YouTube and all these other things. So the only way I can get my word out is to post what I can post. But, but most importantly, guys, if you would share this with your friends. And please, we are on pretty much every podcast app out there. So please, guys, just let's keep this train rolling. Let's keep this stuff going. The things I'm talking about in these series with the Committee of 300, now the uh, bloodline of the Illuminati. It's very important stuff, guys. I'm telling you. So please, please, please share this. Let's get the word out. And uh, you guys have a great day. With that being said, it is March 27th, 2022. You guys have a great day, and I'll catch you on Wednesday.